In a time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to episode 61 of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm Aaron, and here with me is my sidekick and co-host, Patrick. Hello. We are very excited to be talking about an awesome and important new DC superhero film today. For this episode, we've also lassoed the great Andrew Dice of ScreenRant.com to join us for this conversation (laughs) about one of his favorite characters. We last talked to Andrew about five months ago on our Interstellar episode, and prior to that, we had a fantastic discussion with him about the current state of film criticism. Andrew, we are pumped to have you back on the show. How have you been, my friend? Uh, I'm I'm pumped to be back too. Uh, I I've been very 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 well. Uh, I can fortunately say that this last year, uh, I think since be wow yeah, uh, it's been great. Um, it's been great for the genre, great for movies, great for TV. I feel like people who are um, looking to see their personal life experiences and and maybe a reflection of the world around us have had a very good year in terms of art. Uh, in in TV, uh, really a lot, but uh, I've I've been going to the movie theater a lot and seeing a ton of things that really strike a chord with me, and uh, yeah, this is definitely one of them. So I'm I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. Anything outside the blockbuster genre? I know that I know that you live a lot in that area. Area. Um, are there any films you've been seeing that you would classify as not kind of the big budget Hollywood type? Oh gosh, yeah, there definitely are. You know what? The problem is, it's um, a lot of uh, like Netflix and Amazon Prime stuff that I've been watching that have ended up being the things that I love. But the worst thing is, they're ones that I kind of just throw on in in the background. There was um, a Henry Cavill war movie. Ooh, uh, what was that one? It was um, I thought I saw one of you guys tweeting about it. It was it was set in the uh, the Iraq War. Uh, oh shoot! Hmm. It was the one that Henry Cavill shaved his head for. There you go. That's what I remember from it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, and then um, there was another one with James Badge Dale, which was that kind of supernatural soldier one that was purchased by Netflix. Spectral with Net Spectral. Yes. Oh, I've yeah. seen Spectral. It's actually pretty decent. <laughs> yes. I liked it. Uh, I, great special yeah, no, effects. Yeah, I know it too. And that is the the double edged sword of the Netflix movie. It was definitely on, and I definitely love watching it. But I could not tell you the title <laughs> or who directed it. Sadly, <laughs> but um, no, I mean it, it's been blockbuster to blockbuster. But uh, the smaller trips to the movie theater, uh, or or just watching ones that are rented and kind of revisiting things a lot of tv i feel like i've never been watching more tv in my life uh and that is i don't know if you'd call rupaul's drag race not blockbuster but i've been watching a whole <laughs> lot of that anything with rupaul is bound to get some kind of cash flow so Bingo. you could call it a blockbuster <laughs> i would definitely agree with with that statement i think we live in a time right now and maybe the last decade i don't know how, what you would classify this but we live in a time of just massive massive creativity in in just enormous amounts of of uh of, of areas between you know between big screen small screen the uh, the world of st- the streaming environment i think has created avenues for long form sh- storytelling that we haven't been able to to grasp uh in in until recently 
I actually had a friend of mine t- tell me that he's loving the renaissance of the miniseries that has come back in a lot of ways through avenues like Netflix and Amazon. And I would have to agree. I think storytelling is has is probably the strongest it's ever been in so many different ways. And, uh, and I love it. I wish I could consume more, but unfortunately they're only 24 hours in a day and I'm sleeping about six of those. So I, uh, <laughs> I, I have to take time for things. And, uh, speaking of which things that we've been up to that we haven't taken time for, I thought we'd kind of dive into that before we get into our actual review of wonder woman. And so Aaron, why don't you lead us off? What have you been up to this week? Well, I have been watching a lot of stuff, so I kind of had to narrow this down. And, and I always like it when this is the case, because then I get to pick something I'm really passionate about, not just something I happen to be watching. Um, I have been meaning to watch this film for a while now. It's a horror movie by a director named Adam Wingard from 2011. It's called Your Next. And I'm, I'm guessing, Patrick, you've never seen this. You're shaking I your have head. not. I have not. No. I mean, c- come on. I use the word horror movie. I know. And that would mean an automatic. If it didn't come no. out in the 80s or 90s, I probably have not seen a horror thing. Andrew, have you seen it? Uh, I have. I, I believe this came out uh, with a few other home invasion or masked killer movies, but I have seen all of them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this one, I, I'll tell you. So I'm a newer fan of horror, and my preferred style of horror is the more supernatural psychological nature of the genre i don't particularly like a lot of blood and gore and murder sprees so i was a little nervous about this honestly but it is incredible um we've i've also been in love with two of adam wingard's prior films uh or i guess they weren't prior because they actually both came after this but uh we talked about the guest on episode 51 i don't know if you remember that patrick i told you about uh that movie with dan stevens who's a soldier yeah. who yeah mm-hmm. kind of infiltrates a family uh and yeah. then blair witch I ended up watching that too yeah oh you did that's right um yeah. blair witch adam wingard did the the sequel to blair witch last year and we covered that in minisode five but this director, along with uh, writer Simon Barrett, they're kind of like a, a package deal now. This movie, Your Next, is incredible. It's got to be my favorite slasher slash home invasion movie of the 21st century. It's kind of like Home Alone for adults, okay? We get in this position where there's a family, and they're all together at home for their uh, parents. There's, there's like three or four kids, and they're there with their significant others to celebrate their parents' anniversary. And they're all at dinner, and then, boom, people start dying, right? And and then people are attacking the house, these, these killers wearing these animal masks. And we have no idea what's going on. And what is so compelling about this film is not the acting, because the acting is actually pretty poor for the most part. It, it's poor in that horror genre way of poor in which you really don't care. <laughs> you almost expect it to be kind of bad. Like it would be weird if it was good. It wouldn't feel right. Um, but it's, it's this Wingard just oozes with style. So if you watch, when you watch the guest, Patrick, this is a very similar tone just with a little bit more blood and killing in it. Um, the same type of carpenter esque soundtrack full of synth mm-hmm. and drums, some slow motion kills that are just, just brutal and epic. And, 
it's it's kind of cool because I feel like it fits in really well with what we're talking about tonight because this movie has an unexpected hero, right? And I, mm. without giving yeah. it away completely, there's a there's a female in this story that becomes kind of a Wonder Woman herself in this scenario, and and she is just absolutely awesome, <laughs> and uh, and so she came up in a poll. In our Facebook group this past week, we we had somebody who had made a, a made a list of his top ten um, awesome super women, and uh, this this girl in this movie was one that people kept bringing up over and over, which is what triggered me to finally watch it. Uh, I I love it. I I think it's phenomenal film. I had a great time. I laughed. I smiled. I cried. Kind of got teary at times. It's just it's it's full on like ferocious. It's vicious. I, it it's absolutely epic and wingard is set to direct uh godzilla versus king not 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 godzilla versus king godzilla versus kong <laughs> in uh 2020 <laughs> in the new um universe that's that uh they're they're putting together there with the kong movie so yeah i'm uh i'm i'm all in on adam wingard and i think that if uh, if anybody out there enjoys horror in the slightest and you haven't seen your next then you need to fire this one up as soon as possible very cool, man. Very, very cool. I will not be seeing that, but I will take your word for it as always. <laughs> Andrew, what Patrick, about you? What have you been up to this week? I have been watching uh, two, well, I guess they're two uh, premium cable channel uh, shows. One of them, American Gods uh, on Stars, which is uh, based on the Neil Gaiman novel, which I thankfully started and then stopped uh, some time ago. So. I'm coming into it fresh, uh, watching the show, which is, it, I don't, it's it's becoming a more popular thing for me to say about TV shows, where I say, you know, oh, I absolutely love it, like I'm looking forward to it every week, uh, but you might not like it, <laughs> you know, um, I this is so in my wheelhouse of, uh, kind of strange modern mythology surrounding the new gods uh, of American society and kind of, of, of global society too. But um, as compared to the old gods and I was, I was big into, you know, classical studies and mythology and, and uh, history of religions and all that going through high school and university. So this is, could not be more in my wheelhouse. Um, so I would recommend that to anybody. Probably people have seen the first episode or have seen bits and pieces about it and decided if it, was or wasn't for them. I think this is one of those shows that fits squarely in the realm of it is worth seeing just to see this kind of stuff coming from your television set. Uh, <laughs> I, I, even if it is not, um, you know, I mean, if you're the kind of person who likes Googling on your phone as the show is going along, what is being referenced here? then I think that American Gods is kind of the best because so much of it is in the margins. But if you are somebody who does not really dig that kind of thing and likes a story told sequentially for you, then might not be your thing. Or you could just dig the visuals of it on its own. Um, have either of you guys been watching? I have not. I don't have stars. Okay. I, I have not simply because I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of the content uh, style. I've read the book. Um, so. Okay. I knew what was coming in the first episode, and, and when I <laughs> when I heard about the depiction of it, um, 
I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I knew what it was going to be, and it wasn't necessarily something I wanted to watch. Uh, as far as the problem, part of the problem is, like we were talking about offline before we started recording, is there's just so much time, right? Yeah, there's exactly. Just, there's just not enough time, or there's not so much time. There's not enough time uh, in the day to watch all of yeah. the things I want to watch. I mean, I'm, I'm poor Patrick has been waiting on me to finish <laughs> Battlestar Galactica for months now, and I'm just kind of dragging my feet. just gave that up. So, <laughs> oh, my gosh. So no, I haven't gotten to it, but I've I've definitely heard that production wise and storytelling wise that it is doing incredible justice to the book. Yeah, and 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 uh, having the freedom to be weird, which I I kind of just respect that on premise, even if it is something that I not it doesn't personally connect with me. But um, also as someone going through and trying to finish Battlestar Galactica, I say Godspeed. Um, I was there, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I can say that um, I, I, it's kind of how I watch TV now too. Is I, I watch uh, American Gods and then I listen to a podcast called Storms on the Way, just because I like hearing how other people engage with it, and I kind of okay. like any show that allows for that. You know, that allows for conversation about what it means. But um, it, <laughs> it taking a step even further into the abstract surreal territory. Uh, I am a fan of the original Twin Peaks, so ah. I believe the last three weeks now, I think everybody has only seen up to episode five now, uh, regardless of your subscription services or whatnot. And I can absolutely unequivocally say that you will probably not like this show if you did not watch the original Twin Peaks or really like the original Twin Peaks. Uh, but But again, it is doing things that I've never seen on television um, and not in a, in a crass or, or vulgar or shock value kind of way. It's almost the opposite of shock value in a way. It is unshock value uh, where you are just watching David Lynch tell a story that is clearly going to be hours long. And that's kind of fascinating. I think that a lot of people, and I would not begrudge anybody who says this is just too slow, too weird, too self-indulgent, insert word here. Uh, I get that, and that is absolutely fine. And I wouldn't really disagree, but uh, it makes my brain work in a way that other things don't. And Interesting. Yeah. as someone who kind of their line of work is keeping in <laughs> up to date on the most mass appeal things in a lot of ways, uh, that can be an undervalued thing that – uh, it really the artistry comes through even at the cost of entertainment value quote unquote but uh, that being said I think Kyle MacLachlan who is the star is just uh, un unreal in this uh, you know next level performance um, and David Lynch again uh, you know if you're a fan of Mulholland Drive or Blue Velvet or uh, <laughs> you know Inland Empire he's doing such uh, interesting stuff here that is very cool for any older established director or, or creator to be doing that kind of thing. So it's a fascinating thing to watch. I don't really know where it is going, but uh, again, week to week, seeing something that I can legitimately say I have no idea what is about to happen uh, is is fun in a way that few things are. So if you're digging Twin Peaks, that's awesome. Tweet at me all you want. <laughs> and if you are not, no harm done. Uh, I absolutely get it, and I apologize for how crazy I must seem. <laughs> well, I asked. I <laughs> no. asked some people the question. I said, you know, can I check this out if I haven't seen the original? And 
everybody gave me a resounding <laughs> no. No. <laughs> like, you will have no, like, they were like, well, I have no idea what's going on, and I know mm-hmm. a little bit. So you would have zero clue of anything yeah. that was taking place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. That's awesome. So would is this a retelling or is this an extension like a 20 years later? This um, is 20, 25 years in the original okay. show in the infamous Red Room. Uh, she said, I'll see you in 25 years. And now we're back. And that okay. was way more literal than even I thought it would be. So... <laughs> A little prophetic there. Yeah, it seems like that's fun. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I've I've actually not been watching so much as I've been playing. This is something rare for me. Uh, the limited time that I have, I I crank out the movies that we're going to be covering each week and and try to get in some some television with with my wife. We have the the summer ahead of us, which means we catch up on all the shows that we DVR but didn't actually sit down and and watch because we were too busy getting excited about the flash each week or whatever, um, or this is us. So this week and actually the last couple of weeks, I've had some nights when I've been able to, um, play games that I haven't necessarily revisited. And one that I have actually been absent from for about a year is, uh, naughty dogs, the last of us. I, I started it maybe a year and a half ago and just completely was enthralled with it. But the problem with that is that it's a long game. I mean, well, it's it's long for me. I mean, if 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 you're a standard gamer, this you can probably crank this out in what eight, nine, ten, eleven hours. For me, this is more of a piecemeal type thing. And I, I remember leaving it and saying, "Yeah, I'm open to finish that at some point." So coming back to it, it took me a little bit to get back into it. But I remember why I loved it so much, and it wasn't the gore necessarily. Obviously, there's a lot of that, or a lot lots of shooting. But the story is very, very engaging um, in the same veins as stories like The Walking Dead where you have this event that has taken place and you're following characters who are trying to deal with the aftermath. And I think this was one of the first games that I was introduced to where you had a, a narrative that wasn't just entertaining you but was causing you to kind of feel empathy for characters. And, um, and so engaging with that from a storytelling standpoint adding to that the playability that is very challenging for a guy like me uh has been a lot of fun and so it's it's been really interesting nights when uh, when i have some time i'll pop it in and you know for an hour and a half i'll try to get through these different uh different scenes and eventually get through the four seasons of the of the game i was stuck in summer for a long time and finally got through fall and I'm now in winter. Uh, so anybody that is familiar with the game will know what I'm talking about. But, uh, at this point I have, I have paused it, uh, not because I want to, but because I can't get past a certain level. So, um, I'm, I'm sending out a cry for help. I'm trying to defeat David and I can't because <laughs> this is a scene in particular where, um, it, <laughs> As, as a person who doesn't like scary movies and particularly movies with a ton of jump scares in it, this particular scene is sort of challenging all of those things for me. I'm having to <laughs> just kind of hide from this character and eventually try to attack him from behind. And um, I think I've died at least 40 times in my attempt oh, to... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I'm not a great gamer at all. And so it's, it's almost comedic. Uh, I remember there were a couple of times I was... I was uh, messaging Aaron and saying, 
uh, I'm giving up. I'm going to move on to <laughs> to an Assassin's Creed game that I have. So I took a break <laughs> so I could kill things a lot easier instead of just being stabbed to death by this by this guy named David. Well, so anybody out there that wants to help me out, you can you can you can tweet at me. You can <laughs> find me on Facebook. <laughs> this is my plea. <laughs> well, well, Patrick, <laughs> but it's been when I get to Arkansas in a couple of weeks, if uh, if you've not defeated David yet. <laughs> I will, I will, I will hook you up. Okay. Thank you. Please hook me up. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been a, it's been a great game. I'm, I'm anxious to finish it. Uh, It's, it's an intriguing story, and I'm actually looking forward to the sequel that's apparently been announced from Naughty Dog that uh, takes place several years after the fact. That I can't watch any of the trailers. Please don't. Yes, please don't. Because it's going to spoil (laughs) any kind of, you know events that might be taking place in the next six to eight months as I play through the rest of this game. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that as well. That's great, man. I, I love the game. It's incredible. It's definitely one of the best storytelling experiences I've ever had in a video game. So it's it, it, it earned its accolades, and, and it is definitely worthy of them. For sure. All right, gentlemen. Well, we have all been very excited about this. We've been tweeting about it. Um, We've all been just itching to talk about this movie. So here's your spoiler warning, listeners. Uh, We are going to talk about Wonder Woman in complete detail. We're not going to hold anything back. So if you haven't seen the film and you don't want to have anything spoiled, you should probably turn us off now and come back later after you've gone and seen the film, which is definitely something you should do right now is run to the theater and go watch the movie. Uh, That being said, Andrew, you're our guest. We're excited to have you here. And so let's just kick this thing off with your initial impressions. Did you like it? Did you love it? Did you hate it? What were your expectations going in? And how did your ultimate experience kind of compare to those expectations? Yeah, I was somebody who was saying for probably years now on podcasts that they just need to make the movie whether it is perfect good you know very good great you just need to make the movie <laughs> because that is where the hurdle is set and that is the the terrible thing but uh as i guess you know i mean kind of something that speaks to a larger uh, issue or, or or something to just talk about is i did not know what to expect from patty jenkins uh when, when she was given the director's chair on it. And it's kind of hard to believe that anyone could get Wonder Woman's story wrong. You know, of, of all of the characters, she's very consistent in, in a way that is, uh, <laughs> well, she's just, her character is very archetypal and very iconic in ways that are meaningful and are hard to miss if you're a fan of the character. So, when Patty Jenkins said, you know, she, she's been waiting to tell this story and all of that, I, I was thrilled and I knew that we were going to get something worth seeing in, in so many ways because it was made by a woman and about a woman and was going to be said in World War One, and that's such an interesting time to explore it. And as more and more news came out, I was excited. But again, I was not holding my expectations super high because I was going to be a fan of this movie for existing. So uh, I've, I've had a about over a, m- a month now uh, to process it because uh, I, I got the opportunity to see it a little earlier. And I it gave me, which is something that has happened more and more in this genre, 
there was a lot to think about with this movie because I mainly I will I will say that I love the way that this movie made me feel. I love the things that Wonder Woman made me feel in the theater, made me feel after it, uh, made me feel seeing and hearing other people react to it because above all, I think that they got the character right for me. Uh, it mattered in the way that I was hoping it would. There were some, uh, you know, astounding moments of just, you know, kind of jumping in my chair a bit or, or seeing someone that I didn't expect or being awed uh, at different times. So I think my expectations were, I was just hoping to see the character done justice, but I didn't realize I had so much to look forward to when I ultimately went into the theater. Uh, because there are a lot of ways that the first female superhero, uh, you know, film could be treated. But I think at the end of the day, um, you know, Patty Jenkins and, and everyone on the film made a movie that was for every single person who watches these kinds of movies that I think represents everybody in, in some way on the screen. So, even if I'm not the person who this resonates with most or resonates with in, in the most profound way, I thought this movie made me feel good and hopeful in ways that I haven't felt during probably any superhero movie. Um, and aside from that, uh, you know, there, there are, I'm not, I'm not among the people who, who would say that this is the, the most, you know, most anything um, of, of a superhero movie. That's just not how I usually talk about them. But uh, for, for every moment where I kind of thought, well, that moment didn't work with me as well. Uh, there was another moment that absolutely stunned me with, with how perfect it was in ways that I wouldn't have thought. So I, I love this movie. I love everything it stands for. I love what it stands for behind the scenes. I love what it stands for on the screen. Um, I, I can't wait to th have this thing on Blu-ray and I've already seen it twice and I'm going to be seeing it a whole lot more just because it is a darn good feeling uh, watching this movie for many reasons, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I walked away watching this film from watching this film and just feeling good. <laughs> it's a, I think when it comes to, um, you know, even even with our mantra on the show about catching the emotional connection, we're still looking at a film uh, with some critical eyes, and I think everybody that does, there there are always expectations that you have going into any film. I was fortunate enough. I say fortunate enough. For me, I was fortunate enough not to have a history with Wonder Woman, so my expectations were really neutral. I I knew. Very little about the character. Uh, I read some of Brian Azzarello's stuff when the New Fifty Two took place. Um, her character just it wasn't as as intriguing to me, as connective yeah. as as you know, say a Superman um, or a Batman. And and I fully admit that that's probably a masculine reason behind that. Um, Brian Azzarello is a great writer, and what he did with the character was enough to keep me intrigued for um, for a good while but not enough to get me to continue to read about the character. And so going through and seeing this, this uh, translation of her on the big screen, um, 
I didn't have a lot of expectations in terms of what I wanted or what I didn't want. And so that probably helped mitigate a lot of my um, criticisms. And I do have some, but when, when you can, when you can keep me smiling, when you can kind of give me mental fist pumps <laughs> throughout a film, when you can, when you can kind of put me through a series of emotions over the course of a couple of hours and leave me feeling satisfied at the end of that experience, that to me is what it means to go to a movie. That's, that's enjoying a movie to me is when you, you walk away, not necessarily, I mean, yes, walking away and going, I got to see that again. I mean, obviously that's a good factor, but that wasn't my experience with this one. My experience with this one was, man, I love that. Um, and if somebody said, Hey, I'd like to go see it again. I'd be like, sure, I'll go see it. It's not one that's going to make me just jump out of my chair, but there's something about it and something about leaving the theater feeling like I got my money's worth. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I like I was entertained and I feel like Patty Jenkins and company, I think that's what they put together was a film that said, we want to make people happy with this film. Um, we want, we want people to enjoy this. And, and that, that seems to be, um, when it comes to the critical eye, what we miss is the enjoyment factor is, did you enjoy this film? And of course there's obviously reasons why people do or don't, but that was what I came away with. I enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. And there were a number of things that I really thought were amazing. And there are a number of things that I thought missed the mark, but it didn't take away from the overall movie experience, which I think is the most important thing as a spectator. How was your movie experience? And, uh, and for me, it was, it was fantastic. Well, that's awesome. I, I love hearing you guys praise this movie. It's, it's one thing to read about it for, you know, the last several days online, but it's, it's nice to hear the words coming out of people's mouths because when we, when we take the time to craft the perfect tweet or the perfect Facebook comment about it, <laughs> you know, we, we get to like really think about the adjectives, but when the passion kind of flows out of you, like Andrew, when you were talking, I, I was kind of grinning cause you kept, kept using the word feeling and I'm just like nodding like, yeah, that's our show. That's what we do here. You know, like, but it, it really is a movie that hits on that so well. Mm -hmm. I got to take my 14 year old daughter. Um, so super oh. cool experience for me because she, while she is not a complete comic book super fan, um, she definitely has a love of the genre. She enjoys them. She plays games. She watches all the movies. And so she was, she was very excited about seeing this and it was just such a cool, cool experience, you know, to have that daddy daughter date uh, to see this. And I think it, it certainly elevated my experience with the film uh, because there were moments when uh, even, even moments that were kind of funny, if, if not eye rolling, you know, some of the dialogue or, or some of the sexual jokes with her being 14, uh, she'd kind of cock her head and look at me like funny, like dad, <laughs> it, why, you know, and I'd be like, mm, it's, uh, just, you know, just ignore this. But, but roll that was, it. just roll with it. <laughs> but that was one of the things I liked about the movie too, is that, it handles them in a, a very, it's weird to say it's, it handles them in a modest way when we see like literally all of Chris Pine, except a hand cupping himself. <laughs> but other than that, it really does handle them in such a, a puppy love manner. I mean, it, you know, it, it handles any kind of sexuality in a way that is realistic with Diana 
learning, discovering, like having no earthly idea. She's like a teenager, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm getting off topic. So my initial impressions, I also really liked it quite a bit. I think having t- had time to reflect on it, that my overall opinions of the film tended, I think that they were soured a bit by the ending. Um, I, I was not a huge fan of the final climax. And so my walking out of the theater feeling was not as much, much of a fist pump as I think it could have been if the, if I was, you know, just randomly leaving in the middle of the film after the first two thirds. But with time to kind of go back and realize that I've, I've, I've noticed how much I, I did thoroughly enjoy the majority of this movie and all the different elements in place. I, I was just shocked guys. I, I really was. I, I thought for sure. And, and call me skeptic, call me, uh, you know what you will. I kind of expected somehow this to be turned into a more of overt feminist mantra um, something that people would get behind and stand and and there would be you know we would have to try and kind of swing the pendulum so okay we're gonna we're gonna not give men anything to do because we need to make up for the fact that mm. women have never had a shot and so one of the things that really impressed me was that's not what patty jenkins did patty jenkins gave us a realistic movie a realistic story where both sexes need each other and it 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 was more complementarian than anything else so Mm -hmm. um you know i have my my nitpicks and i don't even care about them and want to talk about them because i loved (laughs) so much of this movie uh it it was great i want to go see it again i think that my overall opinion of it is just going to keep getting higher and higher it has made me want to go seek out comic books and learn more about the character um, you know, it's made me want to get the pop figure to put up there on my little wall of pop figures, things like that. And, you know, when a movie does that, it's, it's succeeded at something. Okay. So the next thing I kind of thought we would talk of just a bit about is general characters and performances. Uh, I think across the board, it's pretty well regarded that we all know Gal Gadot just knocks this out of the park. Um, so we can talk about that. I'm also wondering if anybody else stuck out to you in this movie. Um, well, I would, I don't know if they, it was necessarily sticking out, but I was really, I was really entertained by Steve's crew of folks. I believe it was, um, gosh, I'm going to butcher these names. I think it's Samir and Char- Charlie. And then the chief, um, those three is uh, was there a fourth one I think, or just those three? I yeah, guess it was I just this. Yeah. So I, I look at those guys, and they're when you have I, I wouldn't I guess I would call this an ensemble cast, but those guys clearly didn't have the weight of lines or of screen time necessarily that that Steve and Diana did. And for good reason, this is not their story. But what I think Patty Jenkins and, and her team did was they crafted a crew of people that I grew to care about who developed their own types of personalities that were distinct from one another and became very believable as comrades in a short period of time. 
I liked seeing the chemistry of those three on screen, how they bantered with one another, how they talked with Steve and Diana. And in particular, I loved, um, I loved Samir's character more than anything else. He was the actor. And he sort of became the, the voice that I think, as a spectator, I was kind of living through in that he kind of observed. He observed... Um, he observed Charlie and uh, he observed Diana and Steve, their relationship, and had sort of commentary with that. And there's a particular moment where uh, she is, um, he mentions to her, he says, everybody's fighting a battle. It may not be the same as yours, but everybody fights their own battle. And I thought that was very poignant because you don't expect that necessarily from a character like him. But at the same time, you could see some sincerity come out of him. So he in particular, I think, stood out as one of my one of my favorite characters, someone that I, I always thought had some something either humorous to say or poignant to say. But the crew in general, those three guys, really stood out as um, outside of uh, of her, of, of Diane and Steve, as 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 characters that I think were used well. They weren't just filler. They didn't feel like they were just thrown in for comic relief or for pushing the plot along. They felt like they had purpose, but they didn't overshadow the the main characters. And I thought that was very responsible from a storytelling aspect because that could have gotten they could have gotten lost. They could have stolen the show, and that would have probably ruined the film. I'm wondering. So I I liked them mostly as well, and I I agree. There's a lot of good to be had. Um, I. What was uh was was it was Chief the other one that we haven't really mentioned? Chief Charlie and Samir. Chief, right? the, you yeah. did go by Chief, right? Okay, um, the, the Chief, yeah, the Chief. I felt like he was a little more of a caricature um, at that point. It, 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 I guess while I I understood the the need for diversity, sometimes I think when you go too diverse, it almost draws attention to it. And can have a little bit of the negative effect because I felt like we were we were really trying to give credence to everybody in this film and and I applaud that attempt and I I do I think that it is that's why it's a minor nitpick if anything mm-hmm. um, but it did it did make me notice that I guess if that's kind of the way I would put that um, but okay. gosh I I love their relationships too um, I actually liked when. Samir says, well, I always wanted to be an actor, but you know, wrong skin color. Uh, but (laughs) I thought, but I thought that was so true. And he says it very nonchalant. Right. And it's almost, it's just the reality. It kind of broke my heart (laughs) to be honest, because it was exactly, it was just his reality and what he knew. And it was like an acceptance of defeat. Like this is just how things are. I can't change them. And there's so many people that feel that way in the world still today. Right. And, and it, that's why it kind of, it, it hit me a bit and I was like, Oh gosh, you know, I, I don't want anybody to ever feel that way. No one should, should feel that way. And that's what the movie is. It's what Patty Jenkins and, and, and the writers are trying to get across. Um, and I think that those characters do, I, I really liked how well they played. Um, I love the scene at the end as well. When they kind of huddle up they're they're in that circle and they're just hugging oh, and they're, they're so, mm-hmm they're so there's so much a team like they actually care and love each other you know and a lot of times 
when you have these ragtag group of characters that get thrown together in these kind of situations in different films, you never really believe that they truly care about each other. They're just, they're just there by happenstance, but I really believe that these guys are there by choice. Yeah. I I think the interesting thing about them is that we're, we're only shown reasons for them not to be together. Uh, And I think to, I mean, to your point there, Aaron, chief, the the only thing that him being a uh, Native American is really spoken to in the film is that he can say, "Steve Trevor's people wiped out my people," and it, it it's treated as you know I think we're we're kind of shown as Diana is internalizing that, and I think that when he says it there's no hint of malice or regret or, or or anything really just kind of stated again, like a reality that it's just what happened, you know? Uh, And I I think there's probably the fans of the movie and people who really love dissecting this thing could probably go into an entire hour long podcast about what that line says about a person's connection to the people that they are quote unquote of, um, we're kind of introduced to them as like the fact that Charlie is Scottish at this time in the world should mean probably more than it does. But, but maybe there's a reason that it, he exists outside of that or that we don't get into that. You know what I mean? Uh, I think that again, like you said, they're all, there's a dignity given to each of them, which I think is done in a way that will probably go under noticed or, uh, you know, Patty Jenkins won't get, particular credit for that but that scene where samir says yeah i wanted to be an actor but i was the wrong color um that's handed that's handled with so much grace uh, and carried off by him so well that even people who are hypersensitive to you know pc mm-hmm. you know stuff stuff being shoved down their throat and you know we everyone knows um, people who are who are really sensitive to that. I don't even think that would set off an alarm because it is just stated. I'm the wrong color to be an actor at this point in history. And uh, coming to peace with that, I think that uh, Charlie might be the only person who we see come to peace with, with his baggage in, in the course of the movie is uh, is a pretty interesting thing. I do want to speak to... I know her name is Gal Gadot, and I know that the world is probably never going to end up pronouncing her name that way. So I'm probably just going to call her Gal. Gal nope, uh, I'm glad. Well. I'm glad you did that because I would, I would hate myself for if I had, you know, gone on oh, doing mean, it incorrectly. Again, <laughs> again, I'll, I'll give every time someone says that I think, wow, man, Brigitte Bardot really made a bigger impact on the world than we think because <laughs> we are just pronouncing every one of those, um, or maybe Margot Kidder. Uh, for for yeah. a younger generation, but uh, I really think that we're introduced to her in Batman v Superman, where she is putting not just Batman but Ben Affleck on his heels, um, mm-hmm. and then we're introduced to her here, and it is so clearly a decision to have her be not even not even naive, but um, idealized like she's young you know she she's youthful in a, in a very clear way that is you're never rolling your eyes at her because the things that she believes are what you should believe or or what should be real mm-hmm. uh 
but we're, we're kind of seeing, and this is tied into other favorite moments of mine throughout the movie, but over the course of this one film, you see her, I think what, what's so special about her, and I, I tweeted after I saw the movie that she comes across as a child, like a daughter, a sister, um, a mother figure, um, all of these incredible things that you couldn't, you wouldn't believe a single woman character could be shown to have all of them in harmony. And I think that is kind of the most magnificent thing because where we get to her at the end of the story, um, you know, it's, it's that the, the parade of everyone celebrating and she is the Diana from Batman v Superman. You know, you can see it in how she looks, how she stands, how she walks uh, and to connect literally, you know, that moment back to the present day of the end of that film. I thought that was such a, I did not expect that. I, I would have been fine if she was more or less the same character, but to see her open her eyes to the world and gain so much uh, clarity and grace from that. I have all the respect in the world for her, um, for, for Miss Gadot, uh, that I think was probably, um, I mean, I was proven. I was proven on her back in Batman v Superman, uh, but uh, but I was thrilled to see that it could be carried out over a really pretty complicated and nuanced arc. Um, and again, all of that to say, this is one of my favorite performances I've ever seen from Chris Pine. Oh, uh, I, I don't oh, know. Yes, I'm glad you brought him I, up. Somebody had to yeah, bring him I, up. Oh my gosh, yeah, I think that uh, I have I have so much respect for everything that he said about this production, um, and and his eagerness to not be what people expected him to be in this movie. But mm -hmm. again, I mean, he's just, uh, this is like at the best moments of, of Captain Kirk. I feel like he was reaching into this, uh, realm of, of characters, the kind of stoic, but, but just, uh, you know, capital H hero in an untraditional sense. Right. And I don't think there's a part of his, acting ability or range that we didn't get to see here. And um, I'm I, hands down. I, I think that at the end of the day, people are going to feel uh, as they're going to feel stronger for Diana's character. But I think that Steve being as good as he is in this story only elevates them both and vice versa. I agree with that. I think you mentioned something that just to finish out, I, I think what Patty Jenkins does well here is with the exception, in my opinion, of the the climax of the film, the final battle sequence, nothing feels heavy-handed. The development of the characters, the the early action sequences, the moments of what I would call quiet with Diana and Steve, none of it felt like she was trying to say something. And I think that's where real messages within story live is when you can tell a good story your message is going to come out and it's going to resonate and connect with somebody and connect with a number of people as opposed to saying this is my agenda i'm going to push it and it's going to be there um going back to uh, samir's line about the about being an actor and being the wrong skin color it was so subtle as you mentioned it didn't need to be any more or any less just leaving it there mm -hmm. a beat he walks away and we're left with a thought and we're talking about this three days later. One line that could have easily been a throwaway 
but it said a lot because of the culture we live in, the climate we live in, but it didn't have to be lingered on. And I think that that's one of the strengths that she brings as a director and that they bring as a cast and that the writers bring is they really just wanted to tell a good story. Even though there was a message embedded within it, they didn't have to put a spotlight on it. They just let the story tell that message and that message came out clearly. And when it does that, I think it becomes a very approachable thing to absorb as an audience. Um, And and I think that's what makes a, a, a movie both entertaining and informative at the same time. Yeah, there's a couple other great moments like that. One is when she sees the watch for the first time and she just kind of inquisitively <laughs> says, "You let this tiny thing tell you what to do." And it's not it's not preachy and it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like she has no idea what this thing is and in the context of the way he explains it, that's mm-hmm. what it sounds like. But in deeper meaning, it makes us reflect and go, oh man, I mean, I did. I I immediately thought to myself, ha ha ha, that's ridiculous. You know, I kind of do let my watch tell me what to do, you know? Um, So, holy cow, there's like some speed racing going on behind me. Sorry about that. Um, There was another moment when she walks into the cabinet meeting uh, or the, I don't know who, I don't know who Steve was a member of. I didn't really gather that, but the intelligence community, I guess. And just kind of real briefly, they all start looking at each other and like, how did, who let her in here? And her non-understanding of, well, why does that matter? Like, what, <laughs> why can't I be here? You know, I'm, I'm part of yeah. this too. And she never jumps to get up on a soapbox and tell them that they're wrong. She just displays that look of, huh? Like, this doesn't make sense that we all have. <laughs> And so I, I thought it was just handled, again, perfectly. I, the word grace has been thrown around a couple times. And I think the whole film, I think Patty Jones just, Patty Jones, Patty Jenkins uses that that message of grace uh, to a, a wonderful extent. And the chemistry between uh, Godot and Pine is unreal. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is some of the best chemistry I have seen on screen in a long, long time. That scene on the boat is a standout. I mean, it is just fantastic. These are two extremely accomplished actors. Um, so, so talented. Chris Pine has rocketed up my list of favorites ever since I saw Hell or High Water. Uh, he he just blew that film out of the water for me, uh, no pun intended. And uh, you combine that with his, his Star Trek performances and... Um, you know, his singing in Into the Woods, things like that, his comedic over-the-top <laughs> performance type type roles. And, and I think, like you said, Andrew, his range is just, he he doesn't have one. It's, it's infinite. Um, yeah. It, it's pretty amazing. Well, so I want to talk about action before we go into any deeper stuff here. What did you guys think about the action? And I want to leave this off by saying, if I had another nitpick or a thing that, took me out of the experience a little bit. It was a couple of moments in action sequences that unfortunately they detracted from my being in, in it the way that I wanted to be in it. Um, there was a little bit of wonky CGI at times, specifically for me when Diana would jump from the ground up into the air, we would lo- we would move from live action, real, uh, Gal Gadot to 
now I'm going to say it as many times yeah. as I can, yeah. um, <laughs> to like this, almost like it looked like it was a plastic action figure being thrown mm-hmm. across the sky. And I was like, what is going on? And so there was there were a few sequences like that that I wasn't a fan of. I definitely did not like the Ares action sequence. It felt like just two people throwing things at each other from across a room. Uh, but yet there were some very memorable action sequences uh, yeah. like, you know, the one in No Man's Land, uh, her going across the battlefield. And then I think one of my I think maybe my favorite is when Steve calls everybody over to get the the door of the tank or the, the Jeep that's been blown up. And he says, Diana shield, because he remembers that moment on the beach and she just like levels the clock tower and then comes walk. <laughs> I mean, that was the moment that I, if I was like, like it, I'm not saying that's my connecting point because it's not, but like it was close because the way she comes walking through that top of that rubble that she's just knocked down the complete top off of that cathedral mm-hmm. and just stands there and, and everybody is below her. I was ready to fist pump and like scream like, yeah, you know, like it was so awesome and, and wonderfully filmed. And so, so the action for me was kind of unbalanced and, and kind of hit and miss. It was really good at times. The beach scenes, some of the, the leaning back off the horse stuff was just incredible. And then some of it was a little goofy at the same time. Did you guys, did you guys overall like the action? I, yeah, I I think that, I've I've seen too many movies where the action was uninventive that I'm willing to well or I'm kind of conceding that almost all movies in terms of action are uneven I think these days uh just because we think we need so much of it um at all times you know they can't all be kind of showstoppers but I think that I think that it's kind of in in the back of my mind also I'm very aware of the fact that this is the kind of movie that that patty jenkins wants and has wanted to make and just isn't given the number of opportunities to kind of really hone that as other directors have been uh but but to even say that there are moments in this movie that absolutely are on the visual spectacle scale as a Zack snyder and in their own way um i think the that whole trench uh, you know, from from No Man's Land and everything, I think there are moments like there are, you know, shots that might work better. Or I think jumping out of the trench is, is one of the shots you're talking about that um, I know I'm hypersensitive to CG, <laughs> basically CG people. Um, so I've just kind of made peace with that because that seems absolutely blind or ignorant to budget or or style that just is you know what happens and as long as we don't get to like matrix reloaded you know burly man um levels of extended please ignore that this isn't real i'm okay with giving them a pass but uh you know there were there were some shots that that worked uh or maybe were as impactful as they were intended to be and others that weren't but those shots of her behind that shield is, is one of the most unforgettable you know, things I've seen in a comic book movie, period. Well, um, you've had you've had that pinned on your Twitter for like oh, yeah. over a year now. And that, that will be <laughs> that will be staying there. Um I appreciate <laughs> on h- hundreds of levels. I don't know how how do you I mean it, you know, she's holding that shield, it looks like that thing is rattling in her hands and we know unequivocally it is not. Uh mm-hmm. so so that is just a those moments where it is kind of, you know, a, a harmony of 
an unaccountable number of people working to make those moments fit and the the speed ramping in that warehouse scene that follows soon after i think is you know fantastic um the the alleyway fight uh you know even before that that is so its own thing and i think it goes to what both of you kind of said before is this movie ends up feeling special and i, I think that it is not the gender of the main character that makes this movie special or the director. I think that Patty Jenkins just found a way to make different parts of this movie feel special. Uh, the fact that Wonder Woman is just holding that shield under a barrage of machine gun fire. And that is something we're referring to as an action sequence right. is, is kind of astounding to me. Um, and, you know, what, what comes after that? Yeah, she's kicking butt, but she's also not killing anybody. You know, she's knocking mm-hmm. them out and cutting their guns in half. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's all. I think the the one thing that I should probably bring up, too, um, because, yeah, the third act, we can get into maybe talking about the, the villain demands of that. But um, I'll definitely never forget Ares putting on his armor. So I'll, I'll draw the line of that being one of the cooler things I've seen uh, in the cinema in a long time. But the opening fight sequence on the beach uh, with the Amazons was the first time I saw it. Um, I, there are, there are so many little moments that if, if you guys would indulge me to kind of give one example that I think wraps up a lot of why I, this movie feels like an important one for me. Absolutely. Is, um, you know, Robin Wright is a badass. She loves killing people. Like you can see on her face that she has waited centuries to be able to kill people like this. Uh, and it is just like fish in a barrel to her. Uh, and, you know, Hippolyta comes in and does it in her own way. And you that's I think it does read. But um, it, it felt uh, and it was it was my fiance who, who pointed this out that she said, you know, she kind of grabbed my arm uh, when Robin Wright was jumping over the, the boulder. But she said that they're helping each other. And uh, she said, you know, that was the way that women would fight. And I, I I understand in the grand sense that, like, I just have never seen anything like this. I've never mm-hmm. seen all women fight. Uh, and the way that they were, you know, leaping off the stone and everything, it, it carries its own weight. And the moment for me that really stuck was one of the uh, Amazons on horseback she just runs along in front of the Germans, dragging a pole along the ground, throwing all of this sand into the air. And we are just treated to confusion as the sand kind of gives way to Artemis just clobbering, you know, out of the sand that she is the biggest of them. And this has allowed her to get the jump on them. And if it is, if this is a movie starring men, Um, I feel like we need to, or I'm not just saying need, I guess I'm just saying this is how I feel it is usually done in movies and maybe people will agree with me what I'm getting at here, but it is the, the first move is not a powerful one. The first move is not a cool one. It is not an aggressive one or one of particular quote unquote, like badass action skill. So what you'll usually get is a person being the faint and they'll get a laugh you know, to, to the person who's about to be heard or to be hurt. Um, and then the real muscle will take the attack, but the other person will get a moment of their own, mm-hmm. you know, to, to kind of show like, 
um, that was the trick you didn't see coming or ha ha, that was also cool what I did. You know, and it feels like this kind of weird way of making everyone feel like they got to be powerful or an agent. And in this act, them allowing a different person to be effective was left to make them both effective. That there was no need to give any extra cool points to, mm -hmm. to anybody involved in the fight. You know, um, the hero who dies, there are women, men dying all over the place here, and none of them are given an, an epic, you know, last moment. They're just dying. Because, you know, it's just, that's what the story is. We don't need to make all of these characters seem cool for the person in the audience who might think they're cool. Um, and I, I just, I, I loved that uh, the tone that the action had was, it, it felt, I mean, I guess I just come back to that word, special. I had never seen this before, and I think that that alone makes this really cool. Uh but again, you know, Patty Jenkins has those moments that like bang, bang, bang of her kicking that last German out the window mm -hmm. is played for so much naked fun, <laughs> you know, and just to, to get the audience laughing at the end of an action scene. And then we cut into, you know, her just going on to the next thing. Uh, it felt so relentless and so fun when we were in the action that the moments leading up to it or out of it that were maybe less... Uh, polished or kind of flawless and in, in building momentum in that. Um, I guess, like you said, Aaron, I, I think about it more and I just care about those moments less. Mm -hmm. uh, I, yeah. I, you, the, the amount of action and the variety of action, I think was what was a strong piece in, in this movie. I, I, I confess I didn't like the final battle sequence between Diane and Aries. I agree with Aaron. It did feel like, you know, people just throwing toys at each other or whatever. And it felt very just heavy handed, which is what the rest of the movie did not. But I can count on probably two hands, a varied amount of action sequences serving different purposes from the alleyway sequence to the, to the battle on the beach. One of my favorite though, wasn't even in you know present day well in the movie's present day it was the story of hippolyta telling how yeah the the story of of how they came to be happened and it's this the way it's i don't even know how to describe it it's it's a painting that comes to life i'm glad you're gonna and, try patrick because i had thought about how i would describe <laughs> this and i i couldn't no, figure it I, out so best of I luck my friend this, what i enjoyed about it was that more than anything, it utilized something that I thought was kind of overblown by the end of the feature, which was the use of slow motion. And I thought this is the perfect example of using slow motion to tell a story. So you have these just slow moving pieces as if you're in an art museum looking at a painting and you're trying to envision what these movements are, what's actually happening here. And so when we see this, it's almost like we're being given the privilege of seeing the storyteller's imagination come to life. Mm -hmm. And not only is it intriguing, but it's beautiful and it's different. I've never seen an action sequence done that way and and done to do what it does and, 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 and tell a story. I got the whole history <laughs> of how they came to be in, I believe, 
less than two minutes. Yeah. And I was completely satisfied. And the, you know, even from the, the, the final moment where Zeus just rocks Ares with that giant lightning bolt. And <laughs> it felt very much like a Snyder inspired sequence, uh, something out of 300. And it just, just, I think beautiful is the only way I can describe it. Beautiful and informative at the same time. Mm. Um, I knew that I was going to be talking about that when I watched. I was like, that's something I've got to bring up. If Andrew doesn't bring it up, if Aaron doesn't bring <laughs> it up, I'm bringing it up because it needs to be talked about. I've never seen something done like that before. And I, I hope I actually never see it again because it adds to that specialness of what this film is. Mm. I, You know what I'll add? briefly to that is the decision to have her mother tell her the beginning of the story as we are watching young Diana run sneaking out. Mm -hmm. And just as she meets Antiope to begin her training, we shift to Antiope's account of the war. Um, mm, yeah, I thought, I thought that was so, so smooth and such a, such an inspired idea that, I think, like you said, it made me feel like we had covered so much more story here, um, because I think we come right out of that into her training as as a teen, and it feels like we covered a lot more ground. I thought that was a fantastic right. flourish. Didn't linger at all. It just felt perfect, well paced. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would agree completely with that. I, again, like the first, not even two thirds. It was really more like the four-fifths of the film, the pacing was phenomenal and didn't feel the length at all. It was only in that last fight that I that I even blinked and, and felt like, oh, mm, this is getting a little long. Um, which, of course, to me, the, the great thing about this is even if I don't love the climax of the villain with Ares, frankly, I would have preferred this thing end without Ares even being in it. Um, but... Yeah. It, it it worked. Um, I just I don't think that David Thewlis is. It, it was hard for him to tra to to personify Ares in a way that worked for me. I, I, I wanted yeah, him I to agree. be a Aaron, werewolf. Whoa, I mean he gained. Didn't you notice in that flashback? He hit the gym for what was clearly a year <laughs> just for that one shot of him looking skyward. But his face, <laughs> it just doesn't work. You know what I mean? It just oh, it's like. That's not how I think of Ares. It's just not. Sure. And and so it was kind of like, eh. But what what does redeem it, even in the midst of that, is, of course, Steve. And, you know, I love this thread throughout. So there's so much love being shown in this film. And it's an awesome way to tell this story because Diana is a god who has, in essence, shown the value of humanity by a human who then sacrifices himself for them all, right, to save that humanity. Um, so she she starts off by believing that humanity is good. It is incorruptible, right? The only the only reason that we are bad is because of Ares. We, are, we aren't bad on our own. And it's then that she realizes, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not all Ares. Maybe people just are bad and then steve sacrifices himself and says you know what even if we are we're still worth mm -hmm. saving we're still worth fighting for and that whole arc it, it makes me be able to to stomach the fighting part of that arc because the story side is so strong 
and so well done um, that it that it that it helps me get through that personally. And yeah. I, I wanted to tie that into the a question actually for you guys about war. Do you do you have any thoughts about the film? potentially giving us a little bit of double talk where Diana is constantly talking about love being the answer. Um, I think she says, I believe in love and then she, it's all about fighting, right? Like, it's like, I believe that love is the answer to, to solving these problems, but I'm going to do so with violence. Did you get, ever get the sense that those things conflicted at all? Or did it did it not really show up to you guys? I don't know that I saw that because I think when her motive to fight was to end Ares. I mean, her mo- her mm-hmm. her whole deal was to. You know, I don't think that she ever thought love would conquer Ares. <laughs> I think she thought if I destroy Ares, then men's hearts would be able to I don't know maybe love again or something like that. But um, I actually thought you were going to ask War what is it good for. Uh, but no, I didn't. The, <laughs> sorry, bad joke. I get one of those an episode. I, I, I didn't see that. I didn't see a lot of that conflict. I, I really thought her motives. I don't think she. I don't think she attacked and killed or whatever for the sake of wanting to destroy. I think her whole end game was to get to Ares, and that was a pure motive. I don't think, and and I think it paid itself off when. As much as I didn't, I'm, I'm still on the fence on how I feel about this moment. When we get, she kills off uh, Dusseldorf. I can't remember his name. Lufendorf. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't. I'm terrible with names anyway. And when you make Insert them, like, generic you know, Nazi villain here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it felt it felt very cheap when, when Ari showed up because I was like, well, why, why are you showing us this guy for most of the film? But I don't ever believe that she was killing she wasn't killing for the sake of love necessarily she was killing for a different reason that was a mutually exclusive idea behind the idea of love it never conflicted with me at least yeah i think i i see your point i think that that people could argue that i would argue that i mean how do i put this um i think that Aries functioning as speaking to people's worst instincts or worst vices or, or, or desires. I think it is interesting that he tried that with her and she so clearly refused it, you know, said, I, I think the word she said was, I, I can't, I could not be a part of this. You know, I, I fundamentally could not be. I do not believe this. And he reacted with violence. Uh, speaks to how speaks to his weakness, right? He, I think, he comes off as a blunt instrument at that point, and that's probably when he becomes less interesting a, a villain to watch. Um, I think that maybe I'm looking too much into this, but I don't think so. I think that the fact that her ultimate attack takes the form of her spreading her arms out and then crossing them in front of her uh, is an, it's an action of denial, you know, uh, not an action of attack Um, that maybe it is the image we get of Diana before she does it is not slamming a sword through his chest like she did through Ludendorff, but 
protecting herself, you know, in, in a very literal way that ultimately ends whatever this guy had going for him. That's interesting that you say that because the scene in No Man's Land, that's the the shot that you love so much is a defensive shot. It's not an mm-hmm. offensive shot. And I think that's that's incredibly uh, significant. I don't know if the words are uh, insightful. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Oh, thank because, you. <laughs> because you're right. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right. I think that she... I think her position is always one of defense. Mm-hmm. Um, even though she attacks, she attacks with a sense of defending something and not to, she's not looking to end people. She's not looking to end a race. She's looking to, the only person, the only entity that she's looking to end is Ares, the cause of the evil of man or, or, or all, you know, what he, what he claims to yeah. preach. But I, I think for sure, I, I can definitely get behind the idea that, her posture the entire time, while it's aggressive, its end result is defensive. Yeah, I mean, it is It is a like a literal expression of her, you know, godly whatever, you know, whatever we're talking about here, that uh, the energy or what have you is she closes her eyes, you know, to, to whatever is happening. And he's screaming and shouting and trying to be as violent and exerting you know, as as much as he can, and hers is, uh, she go she gets calmer. You know that uh, she she seems to have a moment of clarity at the end there. That uh, I think it is. Even if you're, I mean, I don't know how the lightning comes off of her. <laughs> you know, her bracers or whatever you want to say. But I think that that probably matters less than the fact that her decision or whatever realizing she's she's come to that she's going to shut out this guy is what brings about his demise. I think in the trench part, you know, she leaps into the trench, knocks the guys back and smashes the machine gun. You know, she she understands that uh, it is disarming is, is what she's after um, because she's breaking all those these guys' guns and they're clearly stopping fighting because they're not going to try to at that point. They, become, they go from being very dangerous to not very dangerous. And where the Amazons killed to stop it, um, with with reason, uh, I think that Diana becomes you know special in that her ultimate weapon is the ability to disarm. And then in that final act, disarming ultimately just through love, you know, or, or belief that even her belief against Ares uh, ends up winning the day. I get that it may be... I think that that's what is being aimed for, at least, or that's how I took it. Even if it doesn't come out that at the end of the day, she has to kind of be a little violent, too. Um, You know, I mean, she's still using a lasso to throw guys around, so it's not like she's stabbing. Right, but she's she's violent out of necessity and not out of gratuitous, like, motive. I mean, it is a, it is a posture of, it's, you know, it's, it's, I won't say it's a last resort. I mean, it's, but it's out of control when it's happening. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would echo all of that. Totally. I think, I think that makes it an, a worthy ending despite any, like I said, nit, I've used the word several times nitpicks, uh, you know, for things they don't, it doesn't sure. ruin the film in, in any way ever. Uh, so one of the last things I kind of want to talk about here is, 
importance. And I, and I saved this to the last because I didn't want this to be the focus. And I wonder if on some level um, the hype and the praise for the film is a bit higher than it would be simply because of the important nature of the movie. Um, it is, I've, I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff being thrown around. I've, I've seen, you know, maybe this is a, a best picture nominee. Is this the one that's going to break into the Oscars? Um, this is, you know, a better the comic book film than the dark Knight, things like that. And I, I don't personally think that, um, I think it's very good, but I don't think it's quite on that level. And so I wonder, do you guys see that at all? Do you see any kind of overvaluing of the quality of the film because it does have such an importance to it, the, the fact that it exists? And let me throw a couple of these stats out. This stuff is incredible. I mean, what they have accomplished is amazing. This film grossed over $100 million in its opening weekend. And that's a three-day weekend, not a four-day weekend. It's not a, not a holiday. Went over $100 million. 52% of its opening day audience was women. That is staggering for a movie like this. 53% were ages 35 and under. So huge, huge um, younger and, and female heavy crowd compared to what usually goes to these movies. This is the first modern Marvel or DC film to ever have a female majority. I've seen so many tweets and so many articles and so many pictures and videos of little girls dressed <laughs> up or being excited after seeing this movie that I understand why it matters but i do wonder from a film criticism standpoint if maybe we are kind of pumping it up a little higher because of that what, what do you what do you think about that and is that happening you can lead this andrew oh boy okay um <laughs> no pressure <laughs> yeah you know what i think i think that um the oscar race i mean <laughs> i'll just keep that aside because there is a whole lot of things that go into the Oscars that are, <laughs> um, you know, not always the best of the best end up in the Oscars and things end up there for a reason. Um, but I, I take your point in general. I think that, I think that there is a, none of these movies are made in a vacuum that I think that they are both reflective of the time that they're made and, play a role in the time that they're made. So I have no way to really oppose someone saying that in this point in time, for too many reasons to count, um, a film saying the things that this one is saying and using the characters to say it, that it does, is not the most important movie of this year. You know, I, I think that there is, if someone believes that, and if a lot of people believe it, then it's as valid as anything else. Um, I think that the the idea of there being objective reviews when I think Patty Jenkins clearly puts so much passion and emotion and subjectivity and social relevance into this movie, 
that there is something to be said for for criticizing it, um, you know, in terms of just academically and, and analytically and on the form. But I think that for the sheer fact that Hollywood does not make movies like this, that might be the least interesting or least rewarding way to analyze it. Uh, I'm I'm kind of. I'm, I'm, you know, death of the author is something that I believe or don't believe to a certain extent. But I think that people looking at this and saying that this is the best superhero movie because this is the one we needed most. Uh, I think that that kind of gets more to the core of what superheroes are. You know, would you have wanted to read a comic book review back in 1943 about how good a story the Superman comic is? Or would you have just read it and valued it because at the time it was different um i think that 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 is a really difficult thing but i do think that i i'm i'm always someone to argue for inclusion uh even in the even in the face of you know girl power which uh i can only assume is fun and rewarding in its own way but i i look at those numbers and i am equally as buoyed and kind of uh astounded that 48 percent of the audience for wonder woman was men (laughs) um i think that is a fantastic thing that i think flies in the face of what a lot of people said would be the case right and i think that that is because um you know they were they throw the word feminist around a lot and then i wrote up you know, moments in this movie that really aren't arguing for feminism in the sense that men and women are equal and feminism in its purest sense would be gender neutrality, mm-hmm. you know, that um, stop treating them different, stop looking at them different, stop putting different limits or expectations on what they can be or do. And in this movie, I think that, uh, you know, as a single example, I think Steve saying you can't go across no man's land, you cannot save everybody, is because that is the reality. You know, they're not cowards. They're not men who have lost something out of their menness. It is Diana who is exceptional for beating that. And that's what makes her a superhero, not a superwoman. Uh, so I am... I, I the, the, the critical... I think the critical conversation at this point, honestly, around superhero movies... Um, is just it's its own thing uh <laughs> you know what we're valuing and, and and what we're not or or what is working and what isn't for some people and um where to put the value even in box office numbers and, and audience uh i think that this movie is fantastic on its own merits and i think that the social reality that it is coming out into is a win uh dramatically and honestly, whether people decide to value this movie, I think this movie's completely changed the lives of, I mean, thousands of, of women, thousands of men, um, thousands of everybody who, who are growing up seeing this. If I'd had this movie when I was nine years old to see, I would have grown up a different person. Uh, so awards are not what I'm, like you said, I, um, I'm seeing photos of, of little girls and dads and moms and people falling in love with a superhero and... I honestly could not care less about the awards in 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 many senses. I think that you, a lot of what you're saying, I echoed the the idea that you know, film is completely subjective, 
and when you attach an award or attach a value to it, it's it's valuable to an extent of what the culture is saying around it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this is getting so much buzz indicates that there is an issue, that there is a a an issue of you know unequal an unequalness between two genders um, that has been around for for a long time. Does this movie? cater to one or the other you could argue that it does you could also argue that it doesn't i think the balance of the film and the strength of the characters and just the fact that patty jenkins wanted to tell an incredible story speaks to the fact that it could do both but i also know that because of the subjectivity of a film there are movies out there that i specifically resonate with and will always resonate with because they hit me at a moment that allowed me to change a piece of myself. They allowed me to look at a piece of myself that I had never addressed and said, I need to look at that a little bit closer because a movie called attention to it without, you know, but the movie wasn't made for me. It was made for a number of people and it just happened to connect with me in a certain way. And I think movies like wonder woman, they do that for different people. The obvious reaction is what you guys have mentioned little girls dressing up in these superhero outfits and being proud to see someone that they can look up to that is the same sex as them. And that's an amazing thing. But what does it do for us as, you know, men in our thirties or twenties or, you know, wherever we're at, I want to be in it my does, 20s. Uh, well, I bet you know, we all do. I think it's important. <laughs> what is it, you know, what does it do for our relationships with, you know, like with my relationship with my wife and your relationship with your fiance. I mean, how do how does that make us look at how we value them as people or as women? And so it does something very important in that it it causes us to think. And I think the fact that we have a superhero film that's doing that, at least in part, is both a little taboo and a little amazing at the same time. The Dark Knight did that for us. I think we can all agree that The Dark Knight does more than just tell a really compelling story about Batman and the Joker. It's, I mean, when you talk about that trilogy, that's the movie you talk about. You don't talk about Batman Begins or The Dark Knight Rises. It's always The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight. And there's an, there are tons of reasons why. is because it leaves us thinking about stuff and having conversations. As you mentioned earlier, Andrew, we want to have, like when you mentioned uh, the, the television series, American Gods, it's it's a good thing to want to have conversations, and I think Wonder Woman does that. It allows us to enjoy a film and walk away smiling and saying, I love that experience, and then to come back and say, let's talk about these things, because I didn't notice that at first, but now I'm starting to think about that line, about mm. this or that. And so in that regard, yeah, it's an important film. Does it elevate it to five stars? I, that's, a, that's a subjective opinion (laughs) i don't know in six months if i watch it again if i'll push it up to a five but it won't be because it's quote important my five-star review doesn't mean anything or my four-star review only means what it means to me not what it should mean to the world and um so that's my ambiguous way of saying i don't know (laughs) it's just (laughs) Well, well you guys have you guys have done excellent that you've answered this question just the way i was hoping you would so i mean it was kind of a it was kind of a you know curveball (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, always do that. You always throw the intention was to have that conversation, though, because I think there is definitely a subset of people out on the Internet 
which is you know where we like to to live our our daily lives and and communicate with others a lot um who are discounting the film because of that and so i, I think it was important to address you know that that's not necessarily fair <laughs> in all cases um and patrick i love what you said at the end because i think that is so true whether i give the film a three and a half star rating or a five star rating i'm telling you i loved the film i enjoyed the film i had Mm -hmm. a great time with the film and that's what we should be focusing on is our shared enjoyment of this incredibly important and amazing and entertaining story well acted fantastically put together story for the most part you know instead of arguing with each other about the fact that you didn't love it as much as I did. So you're, you're not right. Like, I, I just don't understand that concept. So um, can, can we just put, can we just put people's minds at ease and saying that when it comes to home video, it's going to go in the feeling film library. Can we just oh, go yeah. ahead and put that out yeah. there? Oh, yeah. So we're on it. listeners, you know, it's going to go there. So you can know that we both fully endorse this film. Just, just putting it out there. So the one, one thing I want to ask, and, and I know we need to be moving to connecting point here soon. The one last thing I want to ask you guys before we do that, and uh, you may have an answer for this, you may not. I didn't really give you any heads up that this was coming, so we'll see how you do. Um, I personally feel that I'm not the only one in this particular boat. I, I definitely am probably in a minority in this, but I am starting to struggle with superhero burnout. And, you know, this is an... Uh, it's a unfortunate cause of of getting so much saturation of something that for a long time we didn't have and we were having this conversation recently where where it came up that you know once upon a time we would get one awesome marvel movie in a summer and we would talk about it for a year so we would get to talk about avengers for an entire year we would really linger on that film but this year we've had logan guardians wonder woman less than four weeks away we're going to get spider-man I mean, it's, it's, you know, in one and then it's gone. And then the next one's on our mind and it's starting to make it harder for me to set them apart, um, and to separate them and to decide what elevates one above the other. And it's somewhat hinders my enjoyment. And so I'm just wondering if you guys have any advice for people that are in that boat of how can we pull ourselves out of that funk and start to get back to that love we had? Cause Andrew, I mean, we've, we're new friends in the last year or so. Patrick and I have been best friends our whole lives. You know, I was as high on superhero movies as anybody for the last decade. I've, I've adored them. I've been on opening night to almost all of them. So it, it, I don't like the feeling of burnout um, yeah. that I'm experiencing. And I, and I want to get rid of it. And I want to go back to being that passionate guy who can't wait for each one to come out. I'm wondering if you guys have any suggestions for me and others that are listening. You want to take that one, Andrew? Uh, <laughs> That's Patrick's. You got a thought? I'd love well, to hear. Well, it. <laughs> oh, okay, well, okay, well, okay. Here's here's my here's my short answer. I would say, before you go see each superhero movie, watch Manchester by the Sea. Um, that'll really. <laughs> the serious answer is, it's. Um, what for for me it would be to be selective of the of the films and and to because there is an oversaturation and our our subjective star reviews i think get influenced by that 
it's not that we're necessarily comparing a Spider-Man to a Wonder Woman. It's that we are expecting an epic, fun superhero movie every time. And because we see um, an incredible one in May and we see another one in June and then July and then August, that August one is probably not going to get a lot of love from us objectively because we've already had that experience three times. And it gets less and less and less and less. I remember the year, the summer that the Avengers came out, I specifically remember tweeting right after, this is going to be a fun summer. I was so jacked when I saw that movie. I came out of the theater going, oh my word, this is amazing. I've not had that experience since. And I think it has to do with, at least in part, the overabundance of these films. So for me, I'm, I'm almost selective. And it's almost like, um, I mean, maybe you can speak to this, Andrew. When you read comics, there are so many out there, so many stories that you end up just maybe following creators. So if you've got, um, you know, a Brian Azzarello who is, you, you enjoy him as an author, you'll follow him on Wonder Woman and then you'll bounce over when he starts doing Superman or when he heads over to do Daredevil, as opposed to sticking with one character all the way through. I think for me, I, I look at superhero films and I, I really make sure that I'm watching films that are not necessarily superhero-esque in between that I'm not, you know, I kind of fill the gap with, with other movies that are going to give me some variety. So I have my palate kind of cleansed of that, but I don't know that there's a really good method unless Andrew is going to kind of give us the, the five steps that I expect him to do. So. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Uh, no, I'm just five. kidding. No, pressure. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I, I get, I get the, the problem. I think, I've, this is just what I've tried to do um, is I think the term superhero movie, um, it serves a purpose to, to talk about them among, you know, trade, you know, magazines and outlets and the studios themselves um, to imply that they are all sharing the same kind of space, even being called like a, a genre now. And I think if we if we ran down the last five you know superhero movies we've seen uh they would not all fit into the same genre so i think that is is a good intellectual intellectual exercise is don't let the studio or your you know favorite websites or or pundits you know that are that are talking about these don't let them tell you that all of these movies should be compared to one another because then you start thinking of them all the same and then you go into the theater and wonder if they check the box or not and if they all do that's not anything more interesting than that um i think it, it is more interesting to ask yourself you know what are the differences here and why are they there what what is the story that is actually being told. I, I, the shared universes have kind of twisted into this weird thing where, where people are just here for the plot and wanting to know what happens next. And I think you lose the forest for the trees there. Like, what story is did this writer and this director put together that they wanted you to take out of the theater on its own? Uh, we, we tend to do that for the ends of, of trilogies or series, and those are kind of given a bit more weight and a bit more of that conversation because people are looking for what is this movie saying? Uh, I think a, a big part of that is probably, uh, honestly, maybe going to see one of these movies by yourself. Um, I know that uh, that helps me get some clarity when I'm really feeling burned out or not really interested. 
in seeing a particular movie is go there by myself and just spend two hours with, you know, a director or, or a cast and a story and think of how it feels to me, not how it's getting reviewed. Uh, because a lot of my favorite movies of the last year or two were ones that were critically panned because they were weird in, in ways that I found actually really refreshing and fun. So I, I think that the superhero fatigue, I think it only becomes fatigue if you start just limiting these things as superheroes. I think Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was one of the most expensive cons- like and you know intensely constructed like vaudeville comedies uh that i have seen and just taking a second to think of how long some of those comedy beats were built over the course of a film uh and the sentimentality there was there and looking at wonder woman and me saying this is like a war era like this is the hero's journey like capital t h j google hero's journey and go through each of the steps and realize that wonder woman is a perfect hit on each of them like this is a modern myth set in world war one and what changes when you tell a story like that compared to you know captain america civil war uh i think the the reason to go see these things is to see how they make you feel and how they make you feel differently so i think putting them under the brand superhero movies only does a disservice at the end of the day i don't think patty jenkins i don't think james gunn I don't think Zack Snyder, when they sit in the director's chair, say, I'm going to make this a superhero story. So don't I, take it as that. I, I, would, I, would, I would ask a question because you mentioned going to see films by yourself, giving you a little bit more clarity as opposed to other people. I, most of the time, at least for, for our, our show, I, I typically see movies solo. Uh, so, so the, the default position for me is usually on my own. Do you think the opposite could be just as beneficial, like teaming up with somebody and, and going with someone Would that, do you think that would help or hurt, um, your, your approach to, to how you'd feel about a, a type of genre? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Especially because I think in a, in a really large sense, we're kind of in this weird place in the world where people think that their opinion isn't enough. You know, it has to be the right one. Uh, so I think going to a movie and seeing, uh, seeing a story that just did, it was okay. You know, if I thought that Wonder Woman was just okay and seeing my fiance having a real moment of how much this was resonating with her, ask her why, you know, I would ask her why and ask her what she saw that I didn't rather than just saying, well, she liked it, but I didn't. Um, I think that any reason anybody likes something, there's usually something there for other people. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I, you know, see them with different people, uh, see them at different times of day, you know, I mean, uh, these things are supposed to be enjoyed. I know that people like to look forward to them as their Saturday night, but sometimes that can put a lot of pressure on the yeah. movie to just perform or check the box. Um, <laughs> you know, go on a Sunday afternoon or a Monday after work, just as something to do, and and maybe that is the key. I don't know. I want people to love these movies, so if you're not, try anything. I guess really. <laughs> awesome. Sure. Well, I appreciate the advice, guys. I think that's that's good stuff, and uh, it's it's viable things and and actual tangible decision making people can can use to try and pull themselves out of that funk. I know I'm gonna I'm gonna probably try some of the stuff you guys suggested. Uh, you know, it's not it's not terrible. But it definitely is noticeable, and 
you I want to be excited. Yeah, right? I want that love back because I, I do feel like I feel like Wonder Woman is such a great example of that for me because I came out of it just okay and it's grown on me the more I've thought about it and I, I really believe that if I go see it again and divorce myself from my first viewing, I think I'm going to love it a lot more. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, I can see it being that kind of movie um, and I I want that to happen the first time, <laughs> you know, so, so yeah. Um, okay. Let's go ahead and push on toward the finish. So our last section here, as we always do on our show, Andrew is we talk about our connecting points, which are that one moment in the film where we most connected with this movie. And we've gotten to talk about several already that we connected with, um, that we didn't choose. So that's a, a big plus for this film already. And the feeling uh, department yeah. is that we all had multiple things we connected with. So as the guest, I'm going to let you go first. Can you tell us what you chose and why? I, yeah, there are many to choose from here. I chose, um, it is after the terrific, uh, non kiss, then kiss with, with Steve and Diana, um, and the breathtaking score, uh, that, that is used for that scene. Uh, we come into the morning where we've learned that Charlie has sung for the first time in as long as Steve can remember, uh, because this whole killing people is not his thing anymore. There's too many scars. And, uh, when asking, you know, if they're all going to come together, it's this moment of team building where they all say, you know, we've come far enough or you've paid us enough. We're going to see this through probably because I'm sitting there thinking Diana has rubbed off on them enough. Uh, that they started to believe that the world isn't what they think it is limited to. And Charlie says, he probably don't need me because I'm not serving a purpose. And Diana says, oh, but Charlie, then who would sing for us? Uh, and it is, again, not hit over the head because we see Charlie's reaction where he takes the olive branch and the kind of nurturing hand and sings to Diana, <laughs> which is uh, its own treat. But... Um, you know, in, in terms of the story, it was the moment that Diana, I think, was going from being a follower, being told how it was, to a mother figure kind of pulling people up with her. Uh, and that was so true to the heart of the character and such a raw bit of just the most pure love and sincerity and warmth that uh, the first time I saw the movie they kept going on singing. I didn't hear the song. I was just totally soaking in that moment. And the second time she said it and uh, it brought tears to my eyes. That is just, that is Wonder Woman. And that is the way it was played. It has me so happy looking forward to, uh, you know, what's to come from this character. And that's a moment that I'll treasure. Awesome. That's a great, great choice. I love that. Um, mine, mine was Diana running after the baby. No. Kidding. Uh, this is super cute though and it, and it did I, I love like you mentioned earlier the many different womanly roles that she fulfills right, and that yeah. was one of them as well and so yeah um patrick what was your connecting point well for me it was the no man's land scene hands down and really it came out of something that it's not only just a phenomenal scene an action sequence um and she's just you know, I can't go back to that pin tweet of yours, Andrew. It's like, that's where it is. I see it, you know. <laughs> but for a long time, one of the conversations I've had with a handful of people 
is about Wonder Woman's costume. We look at BVS, and there were some complaints, at least in my circle of, of people, about that's not Wonder Woman's costume. It's very drab, you know, browns and, and grays or whatever. And I even looked at some of the poster art of her appearance in BVS, and it was clearly not your standard blue and, and red. And and then we get the the updated Wonder Woman posters, which are just, oh gosh, they're fantastic. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on this costume because apparently it's been sort of covert up till now from these films. And, um, we, we get to the point where she's sort of covered up. We never see it fully. And, you know, we, we get a hint of it. We see it kind of blurred in the foreground when she's grabbing it, uh, for the first time she's covered up by you know, a coat and, then the scene in no man's land happens and you see her get out and you see that, you know, what I thought eventually was kind of an overused use of, of slow motion. But this is where I think it fit perfectly. One of the moments it fit perfectly. She comes out, the, the score just builds and builds at this point. And then it's just this, you're immersed in this moment of her walking with determination walking with confidence. Um, and then you see her pull out, you know, she, she uses her, her arm, uh, I don't know what you call them, wristbands to, you know, ping off the, uh, the, uh, the bullets. And then finally it gets to that one critical moment where she's kneeling down and those bullets are just, you know, right off of her, off of her, uh, her shield. And I clearly remember just feeling emotionally gripped at that, at that moment. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is an amazing character. Not this is a hot woman in an amazing sexy costume or this is an incredible superhero. But this, I think this is where the strong, this is coming from a man. So, you know, take it for what you, what it is. But to me, I felt like that was a visualized, a great visualization of what, you know, a personified strong woman is someone who is defending someone who's not attacking, but defending. And then you see Steve and the gang behind her be like, we can do this. And so she gives them optimism, even though she went against what he had said was the right thing to do. She ended up, it ended up being the right thing and they ended up supporting her. And I think that was the beginning of their connection with each other where they began to believe in her. She began to believe in them and, you know, it's just not only a visually gripping scene, but also a very emotionally connective scene. And it, it solidified her character the rest of the way. Uh, I smiled through it. I, I, was, I was like, wow, uh, I'm so glad that they cast Gal Gadot in, in that particular. I don't know that I could in that moment. I don't know that I would ever want to see anybody else as Wonder Woman based on that scene alone. Yeah, here, here to that, man. I, I completely agree there. Um I, I also was blown away by how little I was attracted to her. And I, and I say that, you know, oddly. Obviously, I'm attracted to her. She's beyond, you know? She's just... Uh, yeah. It's, uh, just a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And, and it's just it the fact that Patty Jenkins handled her that way and the, the demeanor in which, you know, Gadot carries herself and carries the character, it's just... It's fascinating to me that it can transcend that most basest, basic of 
male kind of drive <laughs> that we yeah. normally would go to when seeing a gorgeous woman in, you know, almost underwear or a corset. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I love it well as well. And one thing also I want to tag on to, to yours, Patrick. Gosh, I love I love everything about that scene. I've seen this online, and I just want to debunk this a little bit. There's there's these tweets going around that are very girl powery, and they're, they they show they're they're kind of joking, and it's they say every man in movie to Diana, don't do that thing, and Diana, mm. I'm gonna do this anyway, and it's very mm. like hey she's ignoring what the men say, and she's gonna do it anyway because she's a girl, and Andrew, you said this earlier, and I just want to bring attention to this again. She makes the choice to ignore the advice and experience of these men who, in reality, this is probably a poor choice for her to make because they are, they do know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. But in doing so, she becomes, you said, a super, she makes a superhero move and choice, not a super woman. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's very important because what ends up happening here is Diana actually goes on an arc where she is aggressively just doing things without taking advice from people that do know what they're talking about. And yes, it works out in this case, but this, this comes full circle to where she learns a lesson and she learns that she has to trust and rely on them as well. And that that they, they do have that same value that she can't always just ignore what other people tell her. And And so I never once feel in this film like it's Diana intentionally not making the decision because she wants to put the man in his place. <laughs> and I, and I, well, yeah, cause then you're reducing Steve. I hate seeing it reduced to that. Yeah. And so I just, I have to fight against that because it bugs me and, and it does a disservice to what Patty Jenkins film is all about. And the writing of this movie, that is not what it is trying to say. You said it earlier. It is about complimenting. It is about gender neutrality, not yep. uh, one over the other. So, um, that's another I, yeah, example. you know, can I add to that that the first person she defies is her mother? <laughs> yeah, um, that's and true. I, and it be, because she is listening to the voice of her aunt. You know, uh, I, I think that th- combine them all together, and you get that her mother was telling her to do not the right thing because she loved her and was afraid. Mm-hmm. I, I think that Diana comes out as a character who simply must do what she knows to be right. Even if it is in the ways that we know the world doesn't allow, but it does for her. And that, that is what makes it such a, you know, a a fascinating thing. I think that, yeah, like you said, reducing it, you're reducing Steve to, uh, uh, you know, like a chauvinist. Like I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't, exactly. You know, he no. he's he doesn't he can't do in the world what she can. I think that she comes out of that, you know, amazed like her on top of the building. Look at the people that she's you know realizing that the rules may not apply to her, uh, and that is yeah. I I think that it is it is a more inclusive story than that one thing. But I get it. I get it. But come on, <laughs> come on. I like it. Okay, so my connecting point. Um, I can't believe we haven't really mentioned much of this yet. So I'm kind of, I love it. I love that I get to bring it up. My connecting point was literally practically the opening of this film. Uh, and that was Diana as a little girl. So for, for all the love I have for Gal Gadot in this movie, when I saw that little girl 
standing on that ridge watching the Amazons fight and her mimicking those fighting moves that her sisters are doing. I, 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 I'm kid you not guys. Like I started getting teary, like in the first like five minutes of this movie because of that, because I was like, Oh my goodness. It was such a great picture of this young girl who would grow up and, and have, she has this natural calling for something like it is, it is her destiny or um, her calling. It is what she is meant to be, to become a warrior and a protector. That's what she was made for. And see, you see her innate desire to grow into that in those scenes with her as a little girl. And you see her kind of being held back. And it made me think right away of, you know, real life aspect of, of little girls who may want to do things but get told they can't, whether it's science or whatever the case may be. Maybe you want to see a little girl who wants to be an engineer. No, no, that's more of a men's thing or, you know, whatever, whatever the profession is. And so I got a little teary over it. And then you see that evolved to where she gets that opportunity to train and embrace the person that she was called to be and become part of this, this team um, and become part of society and fight for it. And all of that, I think just set this movie up on an emotional level for me to buy into the story and the characters in a way that was so much deeper than me just watching an action movie that was like every other comic book film. And so for me, I was blown away that they were able to do that for me in that first five minutes. It's definitely a effective opening. Mm-hmm. And my dad and, uh, and mom went to go see this last week. Uh, one of the rare movies that they see before me. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but he walked out of it just completely enjoying it. He said, it's, it's, it's slow for a little bit. Uh, and that's about the extent of my technical criticism because I thought it was great. And so I, I had that in the back of my head that it was a bit of a slow thing. But the thing was, it was well paced. I mean, it was it got you into her life. Uh, I, I like that we started it wasn't just and we didn't just get training montages all the way up there that we had motive from the very beginning that there was something in her. So I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up, Aaron. Great. Well, I guys, this has been awesome. Um, I, I, we could probably keep going. I've got other notes that I, I there's just no way I, we can get to all of it. So if people want to continue this and find us online, I think we all probably be, would be willing to continue talking about wonder woman for many days and many weeks to come. Andrew, where can people reach you out on the world wide web? If they want to come chat with you. Uh, yeah. If you want to chat with me personally or, or fact check wonder woman, cause I'll probably be seeing it so many times um <laughs> uh, on twitter at andrew b dice uh d-y-c-e and you can follow me writing up all kinds of stuff to do with wonder woman and all other you know streams of geekery on screen rant uh at screenrant.com. i'm also doing the uh on the flash podcast we're doing a cool uh charity event a live stream uh in the coming days and weeks so keep an eye on that but um yeah, I mean, my MySpace page is sadly inactive, so don't be fooled. <laughs> <laughs> Yours and mine both, and probably a number of others. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Patrick, what about you? Where can people find you? 
Uh, I'm at the normal stuff that uh, you've come to to know and love uh, at uh, Shoeless Patch, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Love to continue the conversation about this or other things that we've covered or things that um, just might be on your mind in the world of storytelling. We've also uh, got a lot of content on our website, feelinfilm.com. Much love to our writing contributors who have been giving us weekly uh, columns that are just uh, just incredibly entertaining and informative. Guys like Don, uh, Steve, and Jeremy, they are just doing a knockout job. So come by, visit the website, check out all of the, the things that are related to just good storytelling on the big and now small screen. And uh, if you get a chance, um, feel like supporting us here and there, we've got a Patreon link on the website as well. It's patreon.com slash film. If you want to contribute a few bucks a month, uh, you can, for as little as two bucks, you can actually be a part of our donor pick vote. We are in the process of picking out, um, oh, excuse me, not, not two, I'm sorry, two votes will get you access to our bonus content, Th- or $3 will get you your first set of votes for our donor picks. So in any case, there's a lot of cool bonus stuff out there that you can listen to. We've got top fives, we've got hilarious trivia in which we try to outsmart each other and realize <laughs> that we can't. Uh, so at the very least, your contributions allow us to not only keep the show going, but show our stupidity when it comes to movies as well. Uh, if you like that um, or anything else that we're doing, leave us a review on iTunes. That always helps, at the very least, make us feel better, lets us know what we're doing right, what we could be doing better, and uh, gives us a little uh, shot in the arm of encouragement to know that, uh, that we're making you happy out there. Awesome. Well, if you guys want to catch up with me online, you can do so all over the web at Aaron L Y A A R O N E L W H I T E, and also usually tweeting from the show's hashtags of Feelin' Film Plus and uh, the show's Twitter account at Feelin' Film. Speaking of Feeling Film, Feelin' Film Plus, uh, we have a new episode up for another round of SIF, that's the Seattle International Film Festival coverage. Uh, where I took a look at, I think we covered about seven different films in this second episode. So as combined, I think we've talked probably, gosh, 14 or so movies. Uh, If you want to check out those two episodes, a lot of those are films you may not be able to get yet, but uh, we want to get them on your radar so that as they get distributors and get released later this year, many of them are well worth seeing. And it's just, they're just amazing talent and fascinating movies that are coming out of these lower uh, lower end type film festivals, uh, these movies that don't have a wide release yet, but are definitely worthy of them. So we hope you'll check out Feelin' Film Plus uh, and subscribe to that feed as well. Next up for us will be episode 62, the social network that will be released on our regular schedule. And we hope you're looking forward to that one as much as we are. We're pretty excited to revisit it and uh, talk about the great birth of the thing we call Facebook. Speaking of Facebook, we have an awesome discussion group on <laughs> the va- talk about nice a segue. Segways it. just write themselves. <laughs> we have an awesome Facebook group that is growing and has a ton of great conversation uh, on a daily basis. The wonder woman discussions that have been happening there in the last few days, just blow me away. I love logging onto the Facebook group and seeing 
all of our different listeners interacting with each other and digging into the this film and others and just really forming friendships and bonds over movies. That's that's what we built this podcast to do uh, is to foster that kind of mentality and it's happening. So if you want to be a part of something like that, the links to the Facebook group are on the website and also in the show notes and blog posts for every episode. I know this has been a long one. We hope you stuck with us. Thank you for doing so. We hope you enjoyed it. Patrick, as we always like to say, as we're saying goodbye, stay positive and keep feeling film.